Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. AOP systems are more and more popular in the swimming pool industry. Are they being used correctly and are expectations by the customers being met? Listen up to this episode of the Pool Pro Podcast. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast with Dave and Michelle. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. We're glad to be back with our water master water specialist, Greg Reinecke, as part of our series on alternative and supplemental sanitation systems. Greg has given us some really excellent material, uh, some pointers and thoughts on ozone and, and uh, UV. And today we're going to put the two of them together and talk about AOP. We'll get into what that is in a minute, but let's, as a little bit of a recap, Greg, let's let's go back and uh, uh, talk about ozone and UV. What are what are the the pros and cons, the pluses and minuses um, when we're thinking about adding a supplemental sanitizer? Um, how do we make our choices? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the most important <laughs> thing is to remember that these are supplemental or secondary disinfection methods. This is not an alternative to good old chlorine. This is a supplement. And that's important to remember because a lot of times salespeople get excited and they talk about UV or they talk about ozone or AOP or any of these other really good technologies. And they forget that we need a residual downstream. So when we look at a recreational water, whether it's a swimming pool or a water feature, the biggest thing that makes them different from sealed municipal water or well water is the fact that we have constant intrusion of organic and inorganic contaminants. And so that makes for a more complicated water treatment situation. So adding the secondary disinfection that UV and ozone provide is really smart you just have to do it intelligently. You've got to take the benefits of the chlorine residual along with the benefits of ozone and UV, which really come down to the destruction of organics and inactivation of bacteria. And particularly with ozone, by the nature of how the ozone works, it has somewhat of a coagulating effect, which helps bind teeny tiny submicron and low micron particles together and makes it easier to filter out. So you end up with a clearer water. With chlorine alone, you end up having to put a lot more chlorine in the water to get the same effect by synergistically applying the two together. You can then get the same job done with less residual chlorine, which is better for the environment, better for bathers, and of course, better for the infrastructure because there's less long-term oxidative damage. So the most important thing to do is to understand the dynamics of the water you're dealing with. How hard is it? What's your pH in elk? How stable is your hardness in the water? What are you dealing with as far as organics? What are you dealing with as far as temperature is concerned? Do you have anything else going on in the water? Is this a situation where you have iron getting into the water? For example, somebody used older galvanized fittings somewhere. 
or they used substandard railings or screens or grates. We need to consider those things. So it all starts with a good water test. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like buying clothing. You've got to measure twice and cut once. And when it comes to water treatment, test twice and treat once. Sure. And then test twice and treat again. And so what's the, what's the words of advice there? Understand what you're dealing with. Get a so, good idea of, of what you're doing. Right. So would it be fair to say ozone uh, has properties, as you said, of a, a microflocculent or a coagulant properties? It also, uh, because it's such a powerful oxidizer, so much stronger than chlorine, it, it attacks things, chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers, things that chlorine doesn't touch. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to treating the water with ozone. If you're treating the water with UV, am I correct in saying that really UV is a treatment for killing pathogens and living organisms, but it doesn't do much beyond that? Yeah, UV is not an oxidative technology. It's a DNA disrupting technology. So UV is awesome for making sure that we reduce the chances of bacteria, mold, virus, fungus from propagating. That's why we like UV for domestic water treatment. You know, a lot of cities in Europe are using UV to minimize their downstream chlorine dosages. And we can do the same thing in pools. You think about how dirty our human bodies are. We're full of good and bad organisms. And if the DNA of those organisms can be disrupted through ultraviolet radiation, it requires less chlorine to keep everything dead. Right. So ozone, in my opinion, is a more powerful tool for open bodies of water. It's a lot simpler to deploy successfully as compared to UV. But as with any technology, there's balancing capital cost versus operational maintenance, and then the complexities related to it. And sometimes, as we'll talk about in a minute, you combine the two together and you can get some interesting benefits from that. So let, let's go there. That, that opens the door to our conversation on AOP. Um, give us the uh, 10,000 foot view uh, what is AOP? What is it doing in the water? We, we see the machines, we see the letters on the side of them, but a lot of us don't really know what we're installing when we're putting on an AOP system in a pool. Sure. So let's start with the acronym. AOP means Advanced Oxidative Process. And that AOP process is the reaction in water of various things. And so in the pool water treatment world, we look at AOP through kind of a narrow lens, but I'd like to start a little further back where I learned AOP, which was actually the wastewater treatment world. Hmm. Uh, so that we can just get a little perspective and then we'll, we'll steer it right into the recreational waters. So in wastewater, we often deal with contaminants that are bound very tightly uh, by organics. And that process is called chelation. And you might hear about chelation treatment in pools, for example. You know, years ago, chelated copper was used. There's a bunch of other things that uh, require chelates. So chelates are very hard to break. And in wastewater treatment, we're trying to get that water to a level of quality 
where it meets the discharge requirements for the federal, state, and local rules. And one of the toughest things to break is a metal complex because those metals are bound so tightly. And so in chemistry, everything is about energy. Energy in, the reaction energy, and then energy out. And sometimes we create energy as in we liberate energy from one thing to another, or we consume energy where that energy is then used to create another chemical reaction. So fire, for example, would be this exothermic reaction where energy is released. Or if we used a cold pack, for example, that contains ammonium nitrate, when the water combines with the ammonium nitrate, we'd have an endothermic reaction where heat is brought into it. And so we'd end up with, with a, a loss of energy per se. So how does AOP figure into this? Energy was used to create the chemical bond. And then we need to use something to break that bond so that we can treat things better. So for example, in pool treatment, we're trying to break the surface of an algae uh, body, for example. And we're using the oxidative energy of that chlorine to open up that cell wall and then break down the amino acids that are inside down to their mineralic compounds. AOP does the same thing. And AOP is an extremely powerful process if you harness it correctly. So when we look at chemistry of oxidation, every type of oxidant has a particular oxidative value. So the most powerful oxidant we know of is fluorine. And one of the weakest oxidants we know is O2, stabilized air. Ozone is much more powerful than air. Fluorine is much more powerful than ozone. Now, why is that important? The more power it has, the faster it works, the less of it is required, and the better job it does. What's enticing about AOP is AOP is almost two and a half times more powerful than straight ozone. And so that attracts a lot of people, especially at the paper level, at the marketing engineering department sitting around a table trying to look at what to sell next. So <laughs> before I launch into an, a personal opinion, let me add my disclaimer. I'm a big fan of AOP. I've been using AOP for 20 plus years, but I really believe that AOP needs to be carefully deployed and most importantly, managed as far as expectations for the water treatment professional and the consumer. So when it comes to recreational water quality management, we typically generate the AOP process using ozone and ultraviolet. So if we think of ozone, ozone's triatomic oxygen, it's unstable. We think about ultraviolet light, it's just a form of energy. And again, chemistry, we go back to energy. So if we take water that contains ozone 
And then we expose that ozonated water to ultraviolet light in the 254 nanometer wavelength. That ozone is broken down by the ultraviolet and for a fraction of a second, and when I say fraction, it's one to the power of negative seconds, negative seven seconds. It's tiny. It's a very short period of time. We produce two radicals, sometimes three. Uh, OH positive, OH negative radicals. And these are hydroxyl radicals. So when you read in the literature, you'll hear people talk about AOP is awesome. It creates hydroxyl radicals. And those hydroxyl radicals react with everything they touch. That is true. There's just one caveat. They react with everything they touch before they stabilize. And we're talking microseconds. We're almost into femtoseconds. I mean, it's, it's such a short period of time that you've really got to design properly so that your flow rate is slow enough to ensure sufficient contact time so that you're able to get the desired benefits. And it goes back to an analogy we used before, it's trying to heat a room with a match. You know, a match is hot, you're gonna burn yourself, but how much contact time do you need with that match to heat the room? Will you ever be able to donate enough energy into the room to heat it? And when it comes to AOP, I unfortunately see a lot of deployments where you have an AOP generator and it's running on 50, 60, 70, 80 gallon per minute uh, research. And really that generator is better at about a quarter of a gallon a minute to get anything done. And so it ends up being kind of a white elephant. When properly deployed, AOP will absolutely destroy any bacteria, mold, virus, fungus, almost instantly on contact. But then it's used up. And so if you think about, you've got a little teeny tiny reaction chamber. You know, I've seen some of these uh, pool product manufacturers, they, they produce this big box and it's got the air dryer in it and the ozone generator and the UV lamp and the ballast and the computer and the control. And then they usually have a Venturi. So it's kind of a side stream and you look at where that AOP reaction's occurring, they've got barely a square centimeter of actual reaction space. So there's very little kill happening, very little reaction happening. So the first complication for a pool treatment professional is that most of what you're being sold is typically oversold. And what I mean by that is the technology is described accurately, but there's a big difference between the theory and the practice. And so that AOP that theoretically can destroy sweat and break down cosmetics and body oils and all the other things, and it really does a great job when you use enough energy. And when I see a little teeny tiny AOP generator that's been sold at the consumer level or at the pro level, I have concerns that we're not managing expectations well. 
because you can't just assume that you're going to get industrial results out of this little prosumer grade quality, quality product. And so that's something that, that really concerns me in the state of the market today. And I would encourage any manufacturers that listen to this to provide better sizing guidance and, and give the professional more tools to select your products better so that you're able to get results that actually work. Maybe how to install them. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe how to install them on the system so that they get the greatest exactly. results out of it. You yeah. put it uh, the, what, with what you described. If you put one little box on on the full flow, you're not really you. You might you might be oxidizing one drop of sweat out of a twenty thousand gallon pool each pass. Um, Pretty much. It, it goes back to the same thing we talked about with ozone and and UV that they. And even chlorine, trying to use a teaspoon of chlorine to sanitize a 20,000 gallon pool is not going to get the job done. If exactly. an ozone generator is too small, it's not going to get the job done. If the flow rate isn't sized properly to the UV uh, lamp, again, it's not going to do the job. So we're, we're back to the same thing with all of these products that, that it's up to the pool professional to really learn more and understand what he's, what he's installing and maybe not just rely on the, the manufacturer. Yeah. Tell them, well, I mean, the manufacturer good. should be trying to build trust and that trust builds loyalty because once you yeah. have enough happy customers using the product, then you're going to have a loyal pool professional that will continuously use your stuff. But if you're just trying to sell stuff <laughs> to sell stuff and you don't care about the outcome, then I don't think you'll be successful long-term. And that's just my opinion. Maybe you see it differently, Dave, but that's that should be no, your I, goal. I see these products all the time. They're two, three, four years old and they're abandoned and disconnected and nobody can tell the difference from, from when they were brand new. The, the water quality yeah. doesn't change that much. Exactly. And contractors have long memories. And if somebody has a negative experience with something that's described as AOP, they're less likely to want to use it again. And so it's in the manufacturer's best interest, particularly with newer technologies, more esoteric things, take the time and effort to train people properly and then make sure that you support them. You know, it drives me nuts when I hear these secondhand stories about people going into a pool store or buying online and bringing components in and they go, okay, what do I do now? And whoever sold it to them says, well, just plug it in and you're good to go. And then the question is, how do I know it's working? Oh, it works. And so I have a big, big problem with that. Yeah, that's the big question about AOP that I have too is <clears throat> ozone you can measure. Ozone will show up on a DPD test kit if you get the right concentration of it in the right place in the system. Uh, it's measurable by ORP. Um, AOP, because that reaction is so quick, um, the only thing I will say about, about AOP is that we've done some spas with a big ozone system and a UV uh, light down, lamp downstream from it. And we have created AOP. We know that because the ORP plummets. Uh, that and that really seems to me that, it, it, am I missing something? Is, there, is that the no, only you're, you're No, dead on. you're dead on. So industrially, we measure the efficacy of ORP, uh, I apologize, of AOP 
by looking at our relationship between ORP before and after the AOP. And what we're looking for is not just the destruction of the ozone, because when you destroy the ozone and you get the ozone back into oxygen, you're ending up with an ORP that just plummets. What we wanna see is on the same water chemistry, does the ORP at the ozone point, so let's say you're adding in a milligram an hour and your ORP goes up to 300. When we're running AOP, does the AOP, the, does the ORP go higher with the same amount of ozone? If it does, that indicates to us that there's less things that are interfering with the ozone's ability to create a higher ORP in situ. And then we look at results and we say, are we getting a visually clearer water? Are we testing less contaminants in the water? Do we see less slime formation? Do we see all of these other things? So it's a harder thing to put a metric on AOP in recreational pools because you're, you're looking, why are you even using it in the first place? And the first thing is you're never gonna use it as an alternative to chlorine. It's physically impossible. Don't even bother to try. And if you're out there and you sell AOP, yeah, I'm calling you out. You can't say it's an alternative to chlorine. That's just irresponsible. But as an adjunct to chlorine, it works great when it's properly sized. And there's your big problem again. So the way you were doing it, Dave, where you were adding ozone, measured amount, you're watching your ORP, and then you're running UV destruct. So now we're ozonating the water, we're oxidizing, we're radiating with 254 nanometer UV, and we see our ORP plummet. At that moment of ozone destruct, you're releasing hydroxyl radicals. There's this massive release of energy and it's proportional to the energy that went into creating the ozone and the energy that went into radiating the ultraviolet out. Because everything in nature adds up. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just comes from different places. Right. So if you want to look at how much energy an AOP is producing, you've got to look at the energy that went into creating the reaction. And so there's just a simple way to think about it. If you've got a little 50 watt device and more than half of that energy goes into driving ballasts and cooling and things like that, you don't have a lot of energy left to affect the water chemistry. And so industrially, you know, a hundred gallon a minute wastewater process, we're using hundreds of kilowatts of energy input. You know, we're talking rooms full of power supplies. You don't see that on pools. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> and so it's, 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 it's just a stark reminder. We have to remember that this process requires a lot more than what it's marketed as. And I would tread very carefully. I would manage my own expectations and the expectations of my customers because in the age of the mighty Google, 
your customers are out there learning yes, all the time. Yes, they are. And yeah. they're Googling everything you tell them. They're checking to see what somebody else says. The problem is that somebody else isn't always right. <laughs> so, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was harder to find sources of information. And so information was curated and typically the gatekeepers of knowledge did a little bit of fact checking and they didn't get too much bad knowledge out there. With the internet, it's like having that loud drunk guy at the bar barking 24 <laughs> seven and whatever right. he says isn't necessarily right. So we have a responsibility on ourselves as professionals. We need to educate ourselves and then we need to try things. You know, if a customer says, I want AOP, great. What do you want it to do? Well, I want it to be an alternative to chlorine. Sorry. Not going to happen. Can't do it. Ain't going to happen. Then design the pool so that it can work without AOP. And then add the AOP if the client wants. And then you can experiment seeing differences with and without the AOP running. Now, the bigger the body of water, the more AOP energy and contact is required. So if you're doing a little spa, and that's where I've seen some reasonable success with some of the AOP products. You know, you've got a 500 gallon spa and you're using AOP. Incidentally, you're generating ozone, you're UV radiating, and you've got a little AOP hydroxyl radical generation. Works pretty well. Right. You don't need a lot of supplemental uh, treatment and primary disinfection levels can be pretty low. So if you take In a pool, not hmm. so much. Sorry. Yeah. If you take the AOP unit that they tell you is for a 20,000 gallon pool and put it on a 500 gallon spa, you, you may be able to actually get the results you're looking for. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up those numbers. Whatever they say, it's a good idea to knock off two zeros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I, I've seen that. I've, I've done some systems. If you have a spa where you have an educated homeowner, it's only like a husband and wife. There's two. They don't throw big parties and, and hang out there. But it's a husband and wife uses it maybe either individually or together. They, they know proper hygiene procedures. They shower first, they go in clean. Um, you, you actually can, this spa that I was telling you about uh, is, is such, such an example. Um, that's, all, that's all we use on the system. Um, and what we have is stellar water quality. I mean, you can look, the, the thing never turns cloudy. You never get a skip of algae in it. Um, and, and because of the way that it's used, this system actually does work and it works chlorine free. It's great. Um, so, I mean, it is obtain attainable to, to uh, use this technology and, and get away from chlorine, but um, in a 20,000 gallon pool, especially with the way commercial units are sized, um, you know, like we said before, it's not going to happen. Let me ask you this, Greg, does AOP uh, destroy chlorine residuals? Yes, or AOP will them? react with the chlorine. And if you put a chlorine solution circulating through an AOP reactor, eventually there will be no more chlorine in the water. 
so to me, that's another big uh, clue is that I think if you're going to sell these for a residential pool and do it responsibly, you're not going to do it on a pool that you chlorinate by hand once a week. Oh, absolutely. Because all the energy of the AOP will be reacting with the chlorine. It's kind of like ozone. You know, mm -hmm. ozone and chlorine fight each other. And so if you're ozonating, you're losing some of your ozone energy if your chlorine level is inordinately high. And chlorine energy as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I think it would behoove a pool person who really wants to use AOP to give their customer the best water quality uh, to also talk to the customer about the chlorine dosing system and pH control, uh, an automatic chemical feeder system. And, and there are some really good ones out there available for residential pools um, that kind of come out of the light commercial world. But, and really, if you want to you know, truly lower people's exposure to chlorine and harmful byproducts, that's the best place to start. Just, just automate your feed and dose it properly. And you hit, on, you hit on a couple of key things when you were talking about the spa. You know, simple things like body hygiene. You know, the cleaner the bather, the cleaner the pool. Right. And then the next thing is circulation. The reason we like chlorine in a pool is we have dead spots. We have places that don't move very much and we need some kind of residual killing power. So in a spa, there's less dead spots. Yeah. Your circulation is significantly faster for the square footage of bather body as compared to a typical pool. So the faster you're circulating, the more you're physically filtering, the more consistently you're dosing and the cleaner your bathers, the easier it is to use some of these adjunct alternative technologies. So um, that, that's been a great, uh, I think really eye-opening, uh, some things we've learned about AOP. I, I'm, I'm happy to, to have you bring that out. It's some things I suspected myself from my experience in the field, but I, I think we've, um, I hope that we've opened some people's minds to both the, you know, what AOP is and, and uh, its benefits and its limitations. And, and uh, if, if you really want to include that as a tool uh, in, your, in your repertoire for treating pools, you're gonna have to learn a little bit more and dig a little deeper than just the sales literature of the uh, manufacturers yes. and suppliers of these units. Exactly. So research, learn, try. You know, yeah. it's uh, the best pool people I know treat their own pools as proving labs at home. Right. And they try stuff on themselves and their families. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's, I'm a big proponent of that. I, I have a pool and I'm, I'm always looking for the best way to give my family healthy water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, thank you so much, Greg. That was it's been a great uh, uh, discussion. I appreciate all your help, and we've, we've kind of tied these things together. Yes. Um, appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Uh, it's my pleasure. Keep learning. Keep doing smart. Yes. Right Thanks on. so much, Greg. We appreciate it. A new voice in the industry. A resource for all. Education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. 
build relationships, and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.